I love the way God works through us and um, I love the way he talks to us, leads us and I love the way he speaks to us in songs. I've been touched by the ministry of music here and how you guys share and write but you know not only the new songs and the new songs that you write but you know the songs that have stirred us and caught us in another season when we needed to hear from God and and um, we sang one of the songs today that I never want to go back to my old life. I need you more, more than yesterday. Come on, somebody say that. I need you more, more than yesterday. And sometimes when God blesses you so much, you don't realize how much more you need him because you are, you are so blessing, you are so enjoying it, and, and just you don't think. And then you realize, man, I'm in the middle of something that I didn't understand. And uh, I'm thinking about common phrases that we hear all the time right now, like uh, new normal. I hate that phrase. And if someone says it around me, I just look at them as though, like that, just, just look. I said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just commenting on your new normal. And how, how about this one? We're all in this together. And I'm not in all of this with everybody else. We're not, I'm not with all of y'all. That's what I'm saying. Because what some of you are into, I'm not into at all. I'm just. And then I like the one, stay safe. How do you do that when people aren't wearing masks? I've got this message I'm working on, on the road to Damascus. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's, <laughs> and then there are things that I'm learning. It's, it's like we, we have a, a whole vocabulary of phrases, things that we say now. It's like in the, in the 20s, they used to say, don't hang out with negative people. Now they're saying, don't hang out with positive people. And you, you just, okay, all right. How, how about in, in 20, they said, 2020, they said, um, you hear people say, man, I wouldn't touch that with a six-foot pole. And now, that's what you're saying. I wouldn't touch her with a six-foot pole or whatever. And then I love this one, um, that I can actually go into a bank wearing a mask <laughs> as an African-American and ask for money and get it without any opposition. Amazing. Say it's amazing. You are in, living in a world of unprecedented things. They, that's what they say, in these unprecedented times. And uh, unprecedented means it's never happened before. But the Bible says it has. Solomon said, there is nothing new under the sun. And the reason I'm celebrating it is because of the faithfulness of God. He's reliable. You can depend on him. He handles his stuff and he takes care of you. You're in the palm of his hand, concealed sometimes and presented before everybody to see who we are, what God's done for you. So say to the person next to you, say, God's been good to me. All my life you have been faithful. 
This is Dennis Johnson. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. And then there's Dennis Johnson behind me and Dennis Pierce in front of me and his wife, Sandra, and they've been with us for years. Young people, still young. But that's what God does. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Come on. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness, go again. Your goodness is running after, running after me. Running after me. With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after. Have you ever had a dream in which you were being chased and you couldn't get away and you woke up just before whatever was chasing you caught you and you kept thinking why am I having this dream and then one day God said it's goodness chasing after you why don't you stop and just turn around and say thank you your goodness and mercy will follow me. How long? All the days of my life. So say goodness. When you say you thank goodness for following you, chasing you. Your goodness is running after, running after me. I had this dream, and the dream, somebody was chasing me in the dark. And the faster I ran, the faster they ran. And then I turned around and I said, what do you want? They said, I just wanted to give you back your wallet. You left that at the party. <laughs> what if what's chasing you is got something good for you, something that you've been wanting, but you're suspicious of anything that looks like it could hurt you. But that's the goodness of God. I want to share with you a phrase and here's the phrase ask for favor in the time of favor and the time of favor is now say it again ask for favor in the time of favor and the time of favor is now you and I we live in one of the most propitious times that that this world has seen and I, along with this house, leadership in this house, I am expecting one of the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit that this world has ever seen. 
third great awakening for I don't care what number it is I know it's going to be great the prophetic word has been stadiums are going to be filled and people are going there, there's amazing stuff going on and many of us we're so focused on something that has no interest and it's passing and we can't see the goodness of God in the land of living people are getting saved who have never been saved before I'm going to wait for that to sink in because some, although Brother L.R. used to say when I was growing up, people are dying who have never died before. And I thought, that's profound. <laughs> what is it like to live in a season of favor and not know that you're in a season of favor? And all you can do is focus on what's going on that's irrelevant to the kingdom of God and to your life, and to your future, and to your destiny, and you're just looking at it. And all, all people in the world can tell you is what they see in the world, but you have a, you got a kingdom sight, an ability to see things, and the thing that Jesus was more broken over than anything else, it seems to me, was he wept over Jerusalem and said, you did not recognize the season of your visitation. You didn't recognize the kairos, that critical moment in time in which history has changed. You didn't recognize that. I'm here. I came with this announcement. I am here to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And that favorable year of the Lord that he proclaimed is still going on now. We live in it now. There's more favor today than there was then because the momentum has picked up. And when I'm in favor, when I'm in a season of favor, I just learned, I say, God, don't let me miss the favor season when I see it, when it's, when it's in front of me. And I've just been finding out, just, okay, looks like favor to me, darling. And you embrace it, you capture it in that moment. And so when the Bible says, ask for rain in the time of the rain, you ask for favor in the time of favor. Why? Because favor is like the rain in the presence of God. Say that. Favor is like the presence of God. It's the rain. Listen to it. I, I, I tried to figure out how can I say this about favor. And I'm going, I'm going to go someplace. I made a little bit of adjustment. They can, those, who, those who make the notes can say, where is this guy going? That's not in his notes, but it's in mine. Listen very carefully. Favor is the unseen but unrelenting, irresistible, and supernaturally powerful synergy of the Holy Spirit, preceding, interceding, and succeeding on behalf of those in whom God has a loving interest, purpose, and plan in order to create an atmosphere in any environment, in all of his creation that must yield absolute and complete compliance to his will, that will ultimately bring glory to his name if and when a timely and persistent demand is placed upon him. You have to place a demand on your favor atmosphere. You can't just simply say, well, that's nice. If you think God's doing something, you ought to say, God, I want this. 
I can walk through the church and, uh, and as I'm walking through the church, somebody will greet me and they'll say, now that I have you here, meaning you're not moving, you're not on that platform, you're right here in front of me. Let me ask you a question. Can angels really dance on the head of a pen? And how many? Well, they're taking advantage of a moment they have. If, if you take advantage of a moment and all you have is a stupid question, God can help you with that. But that's not the time. It's like, God, can you open my eyes now that you're here? It's a favor atmosphere. God, can you touch me? Can you give me a job? That lady right there, she's single and I'm single. How about that? In 1971, I had that moment. I saw her walk into a church, sit down. She was gorgeous, just like she is now. And I thought of that verse in Psalm. It was an amazing moment. The Lord is my shepherd. I see what I want. <laughs> September 71, we were married. Now, she has the ups on it. She says she saw me in a dream before we even met, but I don't care. I have it. It was a favor moment. I, I recognize that. I took advantage of that. I haven't always taken advantage of that, but here's what I want you to see. And I want you to look at a passage that's in uh, Exodus. Please go with me to the book of Exodus because we're going to be there for maybe a minute or two. And I want you to go to Exodus chapter 12. Verse 35 and 36. It says, the people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold, jewelry and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor. Come on, say it. And the Lord had given the people favor. Say it again. The Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Now, all of this is going on in a setting that I call the Goshen factor. The Goshen factor is that the children of Israel lived in a place in Egypt that God watched over, God cared for. They were when you went through, they went through the plagues, all of Egypt went through the plagues, but, but the children of Israel in the Goshen land only went through three of them. And the, the first one was the, the test of, uh, of blood, the test of frogs, and the test of gnats. And anybody ever been bothered by gnats? You ever have some in your house and just got some fruit sitting there and you don't move it in a timely way, and pretty soon they're all over the place. Well, the, the magicians could duplicate the blood, and they could duplicate the frogs. They couldn't duplicate the gnats. And the gnats were everywhere. They were everywhere. They were ubiquitous. And it was crazy, and they just said, man, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And so they got rid of it. And finally, the Egyptian magicians said to Pharaoh, we can't duplicate gnats. We could do the frogs. We, we, got, we, we have the technology. And <laughs> we could do the blood. We can't do gnats. 
And Pharaoh said, well, what do you think it is? He, they said, we think this is the finger of God and you probably need to get ready to let these people go. The finger of God. The only other time that phrase is used like that in the scripture is in Matthew and in Luke when Jesus says, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the power of God, the finger of God, the authority of God. I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. So they're living in a place now where they know what supernatural is, but they don't know what the super supernatural is. And, and the children of Israel, they've been dealing with the gnats too. The finger of God. Somebody say the finger of God. All right. Don't let, tell, tell your neighbor, don't let God give you the finger. All right. Just make sure that you don't have to be a recipient of the power that comes from God or a victim of the power that comes from God. The children of Israel in Goshen, they didn't just survive. They weren't even bothered by when the other stuff took place, when it was dark, when darkness covered all of Egypt. In fact, the Bible describes it this way. It was thick darkness that can be felt. When we were growing up, some of our kids wanted to go to a party. And uh, one of my sons, he says, he says, God, there's a, Dad, there's a party that's going on. And then he said, I'd like to go. And I said, well, when does this start? He said, 10 o'clock. I said, it starts at 10? And I said, there are no good people out at 10 doing parties. He said, Dad, everybody's going to be there. And I said, not everybody. And that's when the fight started. I mean, it really did. That's when the fight started. And he wanted to know, how is it that I get to say on that? And I said, because I believe in the golden rule. And he said, what's that? The one with the gold makes the rules. And the rule is that here in Goshen, this is how we live our lives. And when you are in Goshen, and this is the, these are the, the children of Israel who have seen it all. They've seen the, the judgments of God come upon. And then it's in that, in that moment, in those seasons, that God is softening up his enemies. So much so that when it's time for them to go, God is saying, when it's time for you to go out of Goshen, he says, you will not go out empty. He said, ask. Ask them for silver, gold. Ask them for clothing. Ask them for jewelry. Ask them for whatever you want. And the Egyptians were so excited about getting them out of there. They said, here, take that, take that. Hey, I got some gold underneath the couch over here. Why don't you take that too? They gave it all. Because when you're in favor, people will give you what you ask for, even if they don't want to give it to you. When you're in favor, God will give you what you need him to give you if you ask. Remember, the point is, you have to make a timely and persistent demand. You got to nag him. You got to go after him. You got to be like Johnny who said to his dad, I'm thirsty, dad, can I have a glass of water? And his dad said, no. He says, it's too late. And you'll wet the bed. He said, Dad, I won't wet the bed. I'm thirsty. He says, no water. And they went, they had intense fellowship for about five minutes or so. And finally his dad said, if you call me again asking for water, I'm going to come up there and whip you. You hear me? He said, yes, sir. About three minutes later, he says, Dad, 
when you come up here to whip me, will you bring a glass of water? That's called persistence. It's going after something. Some of us have said, well, I did ask. No, no, you didn't persist in asking. The Luke 18 lady, she kept on, she kept on, she kept on. In favor, you have to keep on, not because God is hard of hearing, but there's something that gets built up in you when you are pressing in. When you are in Goshen, you're in a land that's cared for. You're in a land that's guarded over. You're in a land that God is watching over with his eyes. You can be in an absolute famine. And many of us in these past two years, we haven't just seen things slow down and just go to nothing. We've seen things thrive and get better. Churches have grown in an atmosphere like this, and we can't figure that out. But when you're in Goshen, what's not supposed to happen happens anyway. And I love this idea that when I'm in God's presence, he's watching over me. There are things that just happen when you come into the presence of God. Goshen is a place where God provides. God said to Elijah, tell this man what I'm going to do, and then run and he runs and he lies down by the brook Cherith and the ravens fed him until there was no more water and the brook dried up. God hid him by a brook, fed him by unclean birds who I think got the bread and food from the king's palace. And then he says, brook's dried up. He says, God, why is the brook dried up? He says, because your word said there will be no rain unless I say so. And you haven't said so, and there's no more rain. And if there's no more rain, there's more water in the brook, and there's no more clouds. And so what do you want me to do? Oh, I know. Go to Zarephath. I've commanded a woman on welfare to take care of you. And he went. And he said to her, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. She says, you can be thirsty, but hungry I can't help. He said, don't be afraid. Everybody say, don't be afraid. If in, if in favor, if in a Goshen factor moment, you are afraid to ask God for what you need, you can't get it because there are things that God's waiting for you to say. He's waiting for you to declare what you need and then he gets it to you. Say. I want to live a Goshen life. Hidden in plain sight. Go to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. Verse 31. All my life you have been faithful. All right, here we are. Verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, Therefore, do not be anxious saying. Would you say that, please? Therefore, do not be anxious saying. He has just spoken to them in that context of his 
his ability to provide and to watch over them. He says, I take care of the birds, why wouldn't I take care of you? Lilies don't go someplace to get dressed up, they're clothed, already clothed. So why are you concerned about what you're gonna wear, what you're gonna put on, etc.? I take care of you, but here's how we, what he said. Do not be anxious, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious of saying, do not be anxious saying. Saying is the operative word. You cannot articulate the faith that God wants you to express when you are speaking negatives concerning what he says he's going to do for you. God, what about inflation? He said, yeah, what about it? Well, what, 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 what does that mean for where we are right now? I, mean, I don't know. What does it mean for you? Don't be anxious saying, what are we going to how are we going to live? What's going to happen? Are we going to have food tomorrow? And what I'm seeing is that something happens when I'm in a Goshen factor or a favor moment in which God is displaying a grace that looks like it's absolutely contrary to what everybody else is experiencing. A number of years ago, Barbara and I decided every year, somebody say every year, Every year, we're going to increase our giving systematically and significantly. And every Sunday in our offering time, today, my offering is still going in, even though we're not there. And we've been doing it for years. When we first started doing it, it was interesting, really interesting. And then there came a moment in which I realized if I tell God I'm going to give this much money, that's a lot of money. I said, where am I going to get that? And so I said to God, in my mind, I was, I was being anxious by saying, where am I going to get that amount of money? You know what he said to me? He said, where did you get the rest? I said, oh. You see, here's the thing. You tell God what you desire to do, and God empowers that desire. You've seen it in First Fruits. You, you, you stepped out and you said, God, I want to give this. I want to give that. And you hear God says, okay, we can do this. And suddenly you find yourself not only meeting your goal, but exceeding your goal. And you increase it because the Bible says he multiplies seed to the sower. He multiplies seed to the sower. You say, but God, we're in an inflationary time. And I, I know you're going to say that. You, well, things are going up. Who's costing more? Go with me to Genesis. That's the very first book. Genesis 26. And I want you to listen to it. Now there was a famine in the land besides the former famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Say that. Do not go down to Egypt. Say that again. Now, if you read the Bible much, you're going to see this expression, down to Egypt. Whenever you're going to Egypt, you always have to go down to get there. Jerusalem, you always have to go up to Jerusalem to get there. He said, don't go down to Egypt. In other words, don't go to the world to get your answers. Don't dwell among the ungodly. Don't take counsel from the ungodly people who, who can only see what they see because of the particular community they're in. Last year, someone asked one of the prophets, 
Can you give us an idea about what you see for the year 2022? And he said, believe for the best, expect the worst. And I thought, that sounds negative. Didn't have faith in it. And then as I was pondering on it, I came across this phrase, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times at the same time. Radical opposites occurring simultaneously. When you and I are in the kingdom of God, we can stand in God's presence, stand among God's people. And when people say to us, how's it going? You can say, well, it's the best of times, worst of times. That God never promised you that there wouldn't be difficulties in your life. But we think he did. And so when we encounter them, we ask God, God, what's happening? He said, what do you mean what's happening? The writer of Hebrews says, you have not yet resisted unto blood in your striving against sin. How hard have you worked at not sinning that it's cost you blood? God was standing and he was lying to his friend. He says, didn't you say it was wrong to lie? He said, yes. What, what, what's your, your definition of a lie? He said, I believe it's an abomination before God, but a very present help in trouble. And <laughs> people will go that way. Don't adjust life to fit you. Adjust your life and the scriptures to line up with what God has said. And here's the thing. Say famine. This wasn't the first famine. God says to him, like the famine that was going on in Abraham's time, the famine that went on in uh, Ruth and Naomi's time, the famine that took them out of Bethlehem over into Moab. Famines are here to stay. They're going to be here. So don't look at anybody and just say, when do you think the famine's going to be over? Oh, we'll always have them. Well, that sounds depressing, but it doesn't have to if you understand what God told this man to do because he's in a Goshen principle of favor and doesn't recognize it. There's famine going on. Somebody say, there is a famine going on. Tell them, say, say it with confidence. There's a famine going on. But you don't have to be moved by it. He says, sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, and I'll bless you. And then drop down with me, please, to verse uh, 12. Isaac sowed in that land. What's going on in that land? Famine. He sowed in famine. He's sowing in famine. And what's the problem with famine? There's no rain. And he's out sowing seed. Why? Because God said sow seed. He's sowing seed. And these guys are looking at him. Have you lost your mind? No. Why are you doing that? God said do that. And he's sowing famine. He's giving. You tithe, you sow, you save, you spend. Or maybe you spend, you sow, you save, and then you tithe. But when I'm tithing, I am saying to God, I believe that this principle of tithing works no matter what season I'm in, no matter what country I'm in, no matter what place I'm in, no matter what time of the year I'm in, no matter what's going in the life around me, I know that you made a commitment to me and to my family and to our church to provide for us. Why are you sowing? God said, sow. And so I'm sowing. Where's the rain? I have no idea. All I know that he told me to sow. And I'm sowing. My job is to sow. His job is to 
provide for the rain. When he sowed in the year of famine, in the year of inflation, in the year of extremes, in the year of all of the other things that people are using to describe the world you live in right now, it'd be so easy to say, well, I heard on the business news network that. Well, I heard in the Bible that my God will supply all your needs according to what's in your bank account. No, according to his wealth, his riches in glory. He sowed in famine. Say that, please. Come on. He sowed in famine and did what? Reaped in the same year that he sowed. How much? A hundredfold. Now, I could just pause and get real happy at the hundredfold, but it doesn't stop there. It says, and... The Lord blessed him. And most people would have called the 100-fold the blessing. But the 100-fold is not the blessing. The 100-fold is the fact that you did what God told you to do, and you increased in that. And he will continue to give you seed. If you sow it, he gives you seed. If you sow seed, say this place, if you sow seed, you get more seed. Actually, if you sow seed, urban lip. If you sow seed, you get most seed. But if you stow seed, you get no seed. Seed sitting in a jar on your fireplace mantle will not reproduce. But if you make a decision, you begin to discover this year I sowed so much, next year I'm going to sow even more because I had a harvest from that. He will increase the harvest of your righteousness so that you can be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Goshen tells me that even when there's opposition going on outside, it's not happening in my world. It may be dark out there. And you can live in that world. Like my, my son was wanting to go to a party. And, and I said to him, son, I said, you're going out there where people are so caught up in the darkness of their lives, it can be felt. We're light. We're people of the light. And we're going to manifest what God's given us. And I'm looking at this thing. Here's what Joseph saying here in Goshen. I'm going to bring you near me. You're going to, I'm going to provide for you. I want you to know that there's, there are five more years of stuff that's going on. I want to be in a place where when God says, you can do this, you can give. My wife and I have had, um, we've not argued. Actually, this is our, we, we, were, we were married 50 years, September 18th, 2021. 50 years. And um, I'm trying to get someone to design a t-shirt for me that says, I survived 50 years of marriage with Barbara. They said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, I often hear say we never discussed divorce but murder on several occasions. And so, <laughs> but I'm still here. We planned for a major celebration for our 50th anniversary. And she got dressed at the nines. She looks good now, but you should have seen her then. She got her eyelashes done, eyebrows done, got her hair done, got her toenails done. She was clean. And, I mean, beautiful. I had, did, did I have a tux on? 
Yeah, I had a tux on. And so we were there. It was, it was the pinnacles, the 17th. The 18th, we're getting ready. We're going to go on a vacation, a well-earned vacation. The 17th was when we discovered that she had contracted COVID. On the 18th, we were in the hospital. She was in emergency. I was there all night with her, listening to her, watching her, the things that she was going through. And at the same time, my daughter is at home and she's had knee replacement surgery twice and they've just taken the knee out. She's got some other stuff going on. And then her husband is having some kidney stone problems and I don't know if you know all of that. And you're just saying, God, where's the favor in this? And I thought of something Kathy Leshner said to her husband. She said, the devil's after me. He's thrown every possible thing he could. I, I don't know what else. And she, she described all of it. And so her husband, Randy, stopped for a moment and he said, are you saying he's thrown everything possible at you that he could? She said, yes. She said, and you're still standing? And all of that, all that we went through, watching her in that hospital room, the plans that we had made, gone astray, best laid plans, gone astray, but God had other plans. And we're walking through that. And I'm, all I can do is say, oh, all my life you have been faith. I've got to find a way to see faith and to see the faithfulness of God in everything that's going on. When Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. And yet, Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations says, there is. There are mercies that are new. How often? Every morning. Would you just thank God for the mercies that he gave you today? They're not stale. They're not leftover mercies. They're not used mercies. They are new. They're yours. They're fresh. Daily, the psalmist says, he loads me with benefits. And if you haven't had your load, just go to him and say, I need my load today. But when you are a Goshen person, when you are a person who relies on the favor of God, you already know that God is doing something in your life and he's working on your behalf to bring about his will and his purpose for you. And even when you can't see it, he's working. Won't you stand with me? Rufus Mosley wrote a book called Perfect Everything. And he, he has this phrase that I so love. He says, everything in Christ is getting better and better. Everything outside of Christ is getting worse and worse. If you can't see the challenges that the world faces, and I, I, I say it all the time, I, I don't know what people do who aren't Christians. I just don't. I, I don't know what they do. Uh, what's the young man's name that we met coming in the, this morning? Patty. Phil. Phil. Phil was there. He's got this beautiful countenance. He's alive and he's happy to see me. And we talking about promise keepers. And Patty's telling me about his loss. Grieving is something you're allowed to do. At the same time, you can celebrate. My wife has a prophetic word, a word that she feels like God's given her that says she's going to be alive when Jesus comes. And I'm happy for her. I don't have that word. 
So I said to her, I want you to enjoy life and, and maybe your next three husbands or something like that. <laughs> I thought about the, that question the Sadducees asked Jesus in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Well, I will say at least she was mine for 50 years. But do you know what? She's focused on something and she's real clear about it. She knows who she is. She knows what God's given her. And if you don't know who you are, then you need to get into this book and start reading about the promises of God. And there's a phrase that I want us, if you can put this on the screen for me, please. Romans chapter 8. And uh, tell your neighbor he's almost done. Say, don't, don't be discouraged. And I want to start at verse 31. And if we can put it on the screen and we can read it together, that'd be great. If not, I know you weren't prepared for this, but Romans 8.31 makes this declaration. Think about all the things that are going on. Would somebody pray for me so that I don't have to uh, find reasons to pray for Dr. Fauci's quick exit from the earth. Um, <laughs> the thought has occurred to me. Is there any way you can get him out of here? Just, but <laughs> look at look at somebody and say he needs to hold just a little bit back. Just hold just a little bit back. Oh, man. 31, 831. Can you, can you all see the screen? All right, come on. Let's, let's read it together, okay? This is called In Concert. Not this group over here and that group over there. All of us reading at the same time on three. One, two, three. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him give us all things. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or, or sore? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, somebody say that, I am sure. Say it again. Say it like you mean it. I, I am sure. I, what are you sure? I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lift your voice and shout, yay! Lift your hands to him. 
and just listen to this beautiful chorus. Knowing you, Jesus. Sing it with me. Knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all, you're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Sing again, knowing you. Knowing you. Since you faultless before his presence, the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, dominion, and power forever. And all of you say, I receive that. God bless you.